not be distracted. Lord, help my mind to have clarity. Lord, help me to be able to uh, preach your word as you would have me to deliver it. And Lord, I pray that you would just meet with us this morning. Help me to say the things that you would have me to say, Father, but that your spirit would speak to all of us through your word and that we might uh, learn something from your word today. Father, we love you. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're there in Daniel chapter number one. And if you remember, we've been going through a series on Sunday mornings entitled Five Keys uh, to Unlocking God's Blessings on Your Life. And if you remember, we started uh, about six weeks ago and we dealt with the subject. First of all, we just talked about prosperity and God's blessing and how what we're not preaching is, you know, a health and wealth. God's going to make you rich. God's going to heal you type of philosophy, but we've been going through and teaching you what the Bible teaches about prosperity and what the Bible teaches about God's blessing and what the Bible says in regards to this thing, these things. And if, if you've missed some of the sermons, you haven't been here for some of them, uh, we invite you to go on our website and check them out under our, our preaching page. They're all updated. We talked about the fact that God blesses those who meditate upon His words. God blesses those who obey His words. Uh, we took a week off for Mother's Day, but then we went back and last week talked about integrity. And God blesses those who walk with integrity. Today, I'm going to give you the fourth key and the fourth kind of thing that God deals with in regards to His blessings. And next week, we'll, be, we'll, we'll finish up with the last key and we'll be done with this series. But I want you to understand something. And we're kind of going to uh, get back into that, that mode of that series in a little bit. But I need you to understand a few things about the text as we go into it. If you look at verse 1, the Bible says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. So you got Nebuchadnezzar who's the king of a foreign land, Babylon, he comes to Jerusalem, he besieges it, he attacks them, he pretty much takes over. Verse 2 of the Bible says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his... Uh, Babylon's or Nebuchadnezzar's hand with part of the vessels of the house of God which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. So here you have Nebuchadnezzar coming into Jerusalem besieging it and conquering it and taking over and he's removing all the vessels he's removing all the treasure but notice what happens in verse 3 the Bible says and the king spake unto Ashkenaz the master of his eunuch that he should bring Certain of the, notice this word, children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding signs, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Now here's what you got to understand what's going on in this story, okay? Nebuchadnezzar takes over Jerusalem, takes over, conquers the land. They take all of the goods of the land, but they take something else. They take some of the children, and they kidnap some of the children. And Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, were children, and you, and and we'll we'll look at it here in a second. Well, let's go ahead and read it. Look at verse uh, 5. And the king appointed them daily provision of the king's meat and the wine which he drank, so nourished them three years at the end of, at the end thereof that he might stand before them. And among these were the children of Judah. So here are some of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar. Now we know Daniel primarily by the name Daniel because the book, the, the name of the book is called the book of Daniel. But Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah we know more commonly as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And of course they're famous characters in scripture. Verse 7 tells us, And unto whom the princes gave 
of the eunuch gave names for the for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar and to Hananiah of Shadrach and to Mishael of Meshach and Azariah of Abednego. So they were taken from their homes. They were taken thousands of miles away from where they lived. They were given new names. These children were literally kidnapped from their moms, kidnapped from their dad. Now I don't know about you, but I can't think of a worse thing that could happen to a parent than to have their child abducted and taken away and renamed and you have no clue what's going on with them. I mean, can you think of a more discouraging thing? You know, we, we hear about things like these girls, these girls that were kidnapped in Ohio. And we hear of people and children being kidnapped. And look, I can't, I mean, I, it, it would be a nightmare to think that your children were taken by someone and you don't know where they're at. And they've been renamed and they're just living a new life. And, and, and to me, this would have to be one of the most discouraging things that somebody could go through in their life. But here's what's interesting and here's why I'm talking about it. People in scripture who make it through very difficult situations, okay, without getting discouraged, all seem to have one thing in common. Now you need to understand this. In the Bible, we have many, many, many examples of people getting discouraged and people going through depression. A couple weeks ago on a Sunday, on a Wednesday night, I was talking about John the Baptist, how he was in prison and he began to doubt Jesus Christ. And he asked, you know, are you really who you say you are? And we went through and showed a bunch of great men like Moses, like Elisha, like Jeremiah, men in the Bible who, who doubted and, and got depressed and got discouraged. So the Bible definitely talks about people getting discouraged and getting sad and getting upset. But here's what's interesting about men like Daniel, like Shadrach, like Meshach, and Abednego, and even Joseph. And I, I, we're going to talk about Joseph just a little bit. I know we preached two sermons on Joseph, so I'm, I'm going to try to give Joseph a break, but I do want to show you a couple of things from the life of Joseph. But even Joseph, who was also kidnapped, who was also taken from his home, who was also taken from his family. It's interesting that as you read the book of Daniel, and as you read the life of Joseph, you never find them sad. Never find them discouraged. Never find them upset. You never find them questioning God. Now there's many characters in the Bible who do. There's many characters in the Bible who say, why is this happening to me? God, why are you allowing this to come into my life? And, and they ask for God to, you know, to kill them. They ask for God to take life. Jonah asked God if he would just kill me. I just don't want to live anymore. There's many characters who do. But there are some characters who go through some very hard trials in life and don't get discouraged and don't get upset and don't get sad and don't throw pity parties for themselves. And I've noticed they all have one thing in common. And it's this. They are very hard workers. Now I know you think like, what, where is this sermon going? And I promise it's going to make sense in a minute. You just got to deal with me. But you got to understand this. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, and even Joseph were very good, very hard workers. You say, how do we know that? Keep your finger there in the book of Daniel, right? Go with me to Proverbs chapter number 12. Proverbs in the, in the Old Testament there. If you open up the Bible just right in the middle, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you got the book of Proverbs. I would ask for you to put your bulletin or a ribbon or a bookmark or something there in Proverbs because we're going to come back to it towards the end of the sermon. But keep your finger in Daniel because we're coming right back to it. But I want to show you just a principle found in Scripture. How do you know, how do we know that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Joseph... By the way, here's one thing these, all these young men had in common. They were all kidnapped. They were all sold into slavery. They were all taken from their families. They all went through very traumatic experiences in life at very young ages. Yet none of them we see get upset, get discouraged, get sad. And I'm sure they did, but not, not enough to where God feels like he needs to highlight it. 
And the reason we know that they also had another thing in common, which was the fact that they were hard workers, is because Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24, the Bible says this, The hand of the diligent, okay, the word diligent means this is a hard working individual. The Bible often uses the word diligent, you'll, you'll see it in verse 24 there, but it's the opposite of laziness or slothful or a sluggard. Proverbs 12, 24 says, The hand of the diligent, notice this, shall bear rule. But the slothful, okay, that's the lazy person, shall be under tribute. Alright, so here you've got two opposites. Someone who's diligent and someone who's slothful. And then you've got two opposite situations. The diligent man bears rule, and the slothful man is under tribute. They, that means they are underneath someone, they have to give tribute to someone, they are submitting themselves to someone. And you've got to understand this, the Bible teaches this principle. When people are diligent, when people work hard, when people are hard workers, they get promoted to the point where they are the ones who rule or bear the rule. I mean, is that not what the verse says? Proverbs 12, 24, the hand of the diligent shall bear rule. He says if you're diligent, if you're a hard worker, you're going to bear rule. But if you're lazy, if you're a slothful, you're going to be under tribute. You're going to be the guy that's, you know, taking orders, not giving orders. Now, here's what you got to understand, okay? Keep your finger in Proverbs or whatever you, a ribbon, a bookmark, something there. Get back to Daniel chapter 1, and let me show you something that's interesting, that comes up throughout the story of these young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. Are you there in Daniel chapter 1? Look at verse 19. Something we constantly get highlighted to us by God in this book is this. These children are always being promoted. Daniel chapter 1, look at verse 19. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel. So they didn't find anyone like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, verse 20, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding and the, uh, that the king inquired of them, notice this, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. So when the king, when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walk in for their interview with King Nebuchadnezzar, here's what King Nebuchadnezzar says, these guys are ten times better than anyone else I've ever seen. Now go to Daniel chapter 2, look at verse 48. Daniel chapter number 2. You're there in Daniel 1. Just flip over one page. Daniel chapter 2 verse 48. Notice this. The Bible says, Then the king made Daniel a great man. Notice, he's getting promoted. The king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him, notice, made him ruler over the whole providence of Babylon. What does the Bible say? The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. And the Bible tells us he made him ruler over the whole uh, providence of Babylon and the chief of the governors over all the uh, wise men of Babylon. Look at verse 49. And Daniel requested of the king and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. So there we find that all Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego were all promoted. Go to Daniel chapter number 3. Look at verse 30. Daniel chapter number 3. Because you've got to understand this. The book of Daniel spans a few different kingdoms. Not, it's not the same king the whole time. So every time that these young men are dealt with a new king, every time that a new king comes into power, that king seems to see the same thing that the previous king saw, which was that there's something special about these guys. These guys are diligent, so let me promote them. Look at Daniel chapter 3. Look at verse 30. Then the king promoted. You see that? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And all the providence of Babylon. Go to Daniel chapter 6, look at verse 28. Daniel chapter 6, verse 28. Daniel 6, 28 says this. So this Daniel prospered. That's our key word, right? So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. 
Go to Genesis chapter 39. Just real quickly, Genesis. I know it's, it's fairly easy to find. It's, it's the first book in the Old Testament, Genesis 39. Let me just highlight a couple things about Joseph. I don't want to spend a lot of time on Joseph. I know we've talked a lot about Joseph. But look at Genesis 39. I just want to show you that it's not a coincidence that God keeps highlighting something about these young men. Genesis 39, look at verse 4. Remember, uh, Joseph is in the house of Potiphar. He's been sold into slavery to Potiphar. And in verse 4, the Bible says, And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served them, and he made him overseer over his house. And all that he had, he put in his hand. So, Joseph is a slave, gets put in the house of Potiphar. Potiphar says, there's something special about this young man. Let me put him in charge. Let me make him overseer. Let me put him over other people and over his house. Look at verse 22. Genesis 39, verse 22. Joseph gets lied about, thrown into prison, falsely accused. Verse 22, the Bible says, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners. So here Joseph is a prisoner in prison, and the keeper of the prison says, there's something special about this young guy. Man, this is a hard-working man. And he puts, he commits into Joseph's hands all the prisoners that were in the prison. So he's running the show, Joseph is. As a prisoner, he's overseeing and ruling over other prisoners. And notice what it says in verse 22. And whatsoever they did there, he, talking about Joseph, was a doer of it. Go to Genesis 41, look at verse 40. Genesis 41, verse 40. Joseph comes out of the prison and goes to the palace. And as he's standing before Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, Genesis 41, 40. Notice what Pharaoh says to Joseph. Thou shalt be over my house. And according unto thy word shall all my people be, notice the word, ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Joseph all went through a very difficult thing in their life. They were taken from their families, not by their choice. They were sold into slavery. They were, they were, put, they were made slaves. They were kidnapped, taken from mom, taken from dad, renamed. Yet we never see them going. When God highlights other people going through discouragement, when God highlights other people going through depression, other people going through sadness, we never see these guys complaining. We never see them throwing a pity party. We never see them getting upset. And here's another thing we see that is uh, common with all of them. Everywhere they go, even though they're slaves, even though they get lied about, even though the odds are against them, everywhere they go, they get promoted. Everywhere they go, they end up being in charge. Everywhere they go, they end up you know, rising up through the ranks. And we know this, they must have been pretty hard workers, because the Bible tells us that the diligent is the one that will bear rule. You say, Pastor Menace, what, what, are you, what, what does this have to do with anything? Here's what it has to do. Go, go to the New Testament, go to 1 Thessalonians, okay? If you can get to the New Testament, you find all the books that start with the letter T. They're all kind of united together. First, first and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, and Titus. All those T books. So find the T books in the New Testament, and this is all kind of introduction, but I, I, need, you to, I, I need to lay the, the groundwork so you can understand this. Say, okay, so Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, Joseph, they were all hard workers. What does this have to do with us? Here's what it has to do with us, okay? This applies to us because God has not only commanded Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Joseph to be hard workers, but you got to understand this. God has commanded all of us to work. 
And God has commanded all of us to be hard workers. Are you there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? Look at verse number 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 11. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 says this, And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands. Now notice what Paul says. He says, As we ask you. Is that what it says? As we encouraged you. Is that what it says? He says, as we commanded you. So so he's saying, look, it's a command for you to work and to to be busy and to be productive. He said, it's a command. And you've got to understand this. God commands everyone to work. Keep your finger there in, in, in Thessalonians, but go, go to 1 Timothy. So you got 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st Timothy. 1st Timothy chapter 5. Let me show you your verse. 1st Timothy chapter 5. Number 1. God has commanded for men to work. Men should be hard working. Amen. 1st Timothy 5 verse 8. The Bible says this. But if any, this is talking to a man, provide. That's talking about providing financially, providing for the well-being of his, of his own house. It says, but if any provide not for his own house, especially for those of his own house. The Bible says, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. God says, you are worse than an infidel. If you do not provide, uh, if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he says, you are worse than an infidel. So God tells men, you better provide for your family, you better provide for them, or else you are worse than an infidel. Go to, go to uh, you're there in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Verse 8, skip down to verse number 13. Not only should men work according to the Bible, but women should work according to the Bible. 1 Timothy 5.13 says this, And with all, they learn to be idle. God says, I have a problem with these women. He's talking to women here. He says, I got a problem because they're idle. Idle means you're not doing anything. Idle means you're not being productive. He says, they learn to be idle. And here's what they do with their time. Wandering about. You know, wandering is not a good adjective to be described in your life. What are you doing with your life? I'm kind of just wandering. He says they're wandering about from house to house. And not only idle, so they're not only just not doing anything, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they are not. Now notice what he says. He says, he says these women, he's talking about these women that are just going from house to house, they're tattlers also, they're gossiping, they're being busybodies, they're not accomplishing anything. He says, here's, here's the, how you correct that, verse 14. I will therefore, the word will means, this is God's will for your life. This is what God wants you ladies to do. He said, I will therefore that the younger women may Marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Now here's, let me just stop, and we're still kind of in the introductory phase, so I appreciate you sticking with me. But you got to understand this, when we say everyone out of work, we don't mean you got to go have a job. Okay? Now, everyone, you know, you need a job. Some of you need a job. Okay? I'm not saying don't get a job. And people are, Pastor said I don't see wife. Pastor said I don't need a job. Okay, that's not what I said. But what I'm saying is this. You not having a job doesn't necessarily mean that you should still work. Let me give you an example. My wife stays home. My wife does not have a job where she goes and clocks in and clocks out. Okay? But my wife works very hard. Do you understand that? Because she cares for children. She homeschools them. She's busy. A lot of times these moms that stay home and homeschool their children work a lot harder than, than you think that. So when we're saying work, we're not saying go get a job somewhere, although for some of you that may be a good start, okay? We're not saying it's a job, but we're saying everyone should work. And by the way, children should work. 
you should teach your kids to work. Yes. You should teach your kids to get up early and to give them chores and make them work and, and, and teach them the value of work because the problem, you got to understand, we have an epidemic in America of laziness. And the reason we have so many lazy men today that want to sit home and play video games like they were 12 years old, and I'm not against you if you play video games, I don't know, and I'm not against you, I'm just telling you this. The reason we've got so many men today that are afraid to roll up their sleeves and go to work is because they were never taught to work as a child. Teach your children to work. Let me show you. God wants everyone to work. Go go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I'm not trying to offend you, just stick with me. And I'm going to offend you anyway, but just stick with me. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, look at verse 10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, look at verse 10. God wants everyone to work. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. For even when we were with you, this we suggested to you. Is that what it says? No. This we commanded you. It's a command. Now notice, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So according to the Bible, if you eat, you should work. You should keep, uh, you, you, you should work if you're eating. Okay, do children eat? Yes, they do. So should they work? Yes, they should. I'm not saying your kids need to be working 12 hours in a field somewhere. But I'm saying this. Don't let your kids just play video games all day. Don't let your kids just, you know, sleep in all day. They're just sleeping. They're just lazy. Teach your kids to work. Everyone who eats should work. Because the Bible says, if you don't work, neither should you eat. Now look at verse 11. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly. And this is what Paul's problem was. He said, here's what I've heard. Some are working not at all, but are busybodies. See, you, and you got to understand this. We live in a society that discourages work and rewards laziness. We live in a society, let me say it again, that discourages work and rewards laziness. And from time to time, every six to eight months, I like to preach a sermon on this subject because it is a problem in our society. You've got to understand this. In America today, we reward sin. We reward laziness. I'm thankful I'm an American. I think, I'm thankful I live in America. But this is a problem we have. You say, what are you talking about? Let me give you an example. You know, uh, Obama decided that everybody needed health care. Even if you don't want it. So, you know, you're going to go, you're, you're going to get this big old fine if you don't get health care. So, of course, my wife and I have to go get health care. So, we get this health care that's like, you know, in, in, if I get mangled in a vehicle, they'll like, go, you know, they'll, they'll let me go to the hospital. But I don't have a health care. It's not like a full coverage thing where I can just go in and get a routine checkup, okay? It's just, you know, something that, I, that we have for our family in case of an emergency. Well, this week I get a letter in the mail, and it says, it says, your uh, bill is going up by 10%. And he said, because of the activity in healthcare today, and so many people are going to the hospital, we need to, we need to, you know, upgrade uh, your your bill, and you're going to have to pay extra. And it had all this moment trouble. But here's what it, here's what, here's what it translates to. Okay, Obama decided that everybody who doesn't work can go to the hospital. So those of you that are paying for it, you're going to have to pay more. And here's the interesting thing: I can't go to the hospital. I mean, my my son, my elder, my my oldest son, he had a medical issue, and I don't want to. Going a lot into it. It wasn't a big deal, but he had a medical problem. It wasn't an emergency, but it needed to be taken care of. So we take him to the hospital. You know, we take him to the doctor. And they're like, it's going to be $3,000. And I'm like, we don't have insurance. And this is an emergency. So, you know, my wife, being the great wife that she is, gets on the phone with the doctor. And she's like, well, listen, we're paying cash. And, you know, can we cut out a deal? And she was able to talk them down to, to where they would, you know, take care of my son for $1,000. Now, here's the thing. I had to go and get $1,000 out of my bank account and give the doctor $1,000 so he would see my son. 
But here, but, but let me tell you how, the, how what I mean by our society of rewarding laziness. Because if my wife would have showed up and said, I have four kids from four different dads. None of them support me. None of them take care of me. The government sends me a welfare check every week. They would have said, come on in, son. We'll take care of you. What do you need? But here's what they said. Both of you are the... All of your children come from the same husband and wife. You've been married for ten years. You're not divorced. You have a dad that gets up and goes to work every day. You have a mom that's not sleeping around, that's not partying, that's not just being a busybody. She's working. She's taking care. Because you guys are actually being productive in society, we're not going to take care of you. No, in fact, your bill is going up. And when you need help, you know, it's going to be a thousand dollars cash out of your account. And I'm, I'm trying to explain to you, our society teaches, and this is what we're teaching young ladies. Well, if I get pregnant on a wedlock, the government will take care of me. If I just fornicate and get pregnant, the government will deal with it. And we are promoting laziness and punishing hard work. But God has commanded all to work. And here's what you can understand. And here's the point. You say, Pastor, why are you bringing all stuff? We're talking about blessings. God's blessings on your life. And here's what you can understand. God blesses hard work. But before we can even talk about that, what you need to understand this. Work in and of itself is a blessing. And God blesses work. Work is a blessing. And God blesses work. You say, what are you talking about? Go to Genesis. Go back to Genesis chapter number 3. Work. You say, Pastor, are you going to tell us that God blesses work? God does bless work. But even if God doesn't bless work, work in and of itself is a blessing. And let me share with you, this is obviously a very well-known story. You know the story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned. Adam and Eve were placed in paradise. They were placed in a perfect location. I mean, they had no need. They had no problem. Eve was tempted. Eve talked Adam into it. Eve, yeah, it's all the woman's fault. You know what else. But, you know, the Bible says that Eve was deceived and Adam disobeyed. So, you know, that's why God places the blame on Adam, actually. Because Eve was deceived, but Adam was not deceived. He just chose to disobey. He chose to. That's what the Bible teaches in the book of Romans. But here, we, you know, they, they messed up. They, I mean, they, they messed up not just for themselves. They messed up for the rest of the world. The Bible tells us sin entered into the world and death by sin. The Bible says, for as by one man, talking about Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. These guys royally messed up. They had one rule. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they broke that one rule. And they were thrown out of paradise. They were thrown out of the garden of Eden. And now, you know, their lives are completely messed up. Now, if it was, if I was Adam, I'd be pretty bad. Don't you think? If you were Eve, wouldn't you be like, oh man. I'd be discouraged. I'd be sad. But notice what God does. Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 16. Unto the woman he said... God says, look, you guys just really messed up your lives right now. And you're probably feeling really guilty. And really, and we know they're feeling guilty because remember they were naked and they tried to hide themselves. And God's like, who told you you were naked? And they were feeling guilty. They were feeling bad. They were trying to hide themselves. They didn't want to see God. They didn't want to deal with the issues. And God says, here's what I'm going to do for you, Adam. Here's what I'm going to do for you, Eve. Because you guys really messed up. And you're probably feeling really guilty. And you're probably feeling really discouraged. And you're probably going through a lot right now. And, and, you, and you're throwing yourself a pity party. And God says, here's what I'm going to do to, 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 to do a favor for you. Genesis 3.16. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children. God says, 
to the Eve, I'm going to do a favor for you. I'm going to give you children. Now, women are like, well, how's that a favor? But here's the thing. This is what God was telling Eve. I'm going to give you something to do. I'm going to give you a job. It's to care for kids. And I desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Look at verse 17. And unto Adam he said, Because I will hearken unto the voice of thy wife, and as eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and so shall I eat it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. Notice verse 19. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Here's what God said. I'm going to do a favor for you, Adam. I'm going to do a favor for you, Eve. Eve, I'm going to give you children. And Adam, I'm going to send you off into the field. You're going to work. And in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return to the ground. For out of it was thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Like, I still don't get it. Here's what I'm trying to explain. I've been a pastor now for almost four years. Not very long. And as a pastor, here's what I've found. As I deal with people and counsel people and, and talk to people, here's what i found. Everyone will at some point in their life go through discouragement, get upset, get sad. The Bible talks about it. But people who go through chronic discouragement, people who are just... Every, you know, it's just like, it's not something that happens once a year, like, gosh, I'm really discouraged. But it's something that, like, every other month you're going through something. And there's a lot of them. People who are just constantly going through discouragement. Here's what I found, and here's what I believe the Bible is revealing for us. People who get discouraged often are also people who either do not have jobs or do not have steady jobs. Because God designed... For us to be busy and go. God said, Eve, I know you're going to be depressed. Adam, I know you're going to be discouraged. I know you just royally messed up. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you off to work, Adam. I'm going to give you children to raise, Eve. And at the end of the day, when you start thinking about all the mistakes you made, and all the things you could have done differently, and how you messed things up, and how you're so horrible, He said, at the end of the day, you're going to look at that child, or you're going to look at that family you provided to, and you're going to feel accomplished. And you're going to feel like you produced something. And you're going to feel like you did something. Because you got to understand this. God gave us work. And God will bless work. But in and of itself, work is a blessing. Because it allows you to feel like you are doing something. When I, you know, see my children. When I, when I take all those thousand dollars and give them to a doctor so they can take care of my son. I feel like, wow, I am taking care of my son. When my wife teaches those kids to read and to love God. And explain, she, you know, and we've messed up. We've done things we shouldn't have done. We've got things in our past that we're discouraged about, that we're upset about. But when somebody works and they get up every day and they have something, they have a reason to get up. God says that'll be a blessing to you. But see, when you sit at home and you're just kind of idle, not really doing anything, you'll come in and out of discouragement. You say, Daniel, you were kicked out. Yeah, I was kicked out. Take from your mom and dad. Yeah, take from your mom and dad. And your buddies here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yeah. Aren't you guys sad? Not really. Aren't you discouraged? I don't know. Well, how do you get through? I don't know. I, I kind of just get up every day and work hard and get promoted. And it just seems like I feel accomplished. That's good. It seems like I just kind of just feel blessed. You see, you've got to understand this. God has designed for us to work. And the work is a blessing in and of itself. Because it helps you to feel 
like you're living a life of purpose. But see, not only does not only is blessing a work or work a blessing in and of itself, God also blesses work. Can you get back to Proverbs? Remember I told you the same Proverbs? Get back to Proverbs. Let me just show you a few verses. We're almost done. God blesses work. Are you there in Proverbs? Go to Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, verse 23. I know whenever I preach about work, people get really mad and offended. But honestly, if you would just if you would just hear what I have to say and apply it to your life, I think it would help you. Proverbs 14, look at verse 23. I know some of you are already writing the email. I know. It's okay. Send the email. I can deal with it. Proverbs 14, look at verse 23. In all labor, there is profit. But the talk of the lips tendeth only to punery. God says, in all labor there is profit. Look, anything you do that is labor, God says there's profit in that. Well, what if I don't get paid? There's still profit in it. That's right. Go to Proverbs chapter 10, look at verse 4. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. You've got to understand it. God blesses work. When God sees you get to work, He will bless your work. When God sees you, you know, just getting busy, accomplishing something, He will bless you. Proverbs chapter 10, look at verse 4. Proverbs 10, 4, the Bible says, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. The word slack... Who's ever been called a slacker? <laughs> you know, don't admit to that. If your boss calls you a slacker, that's not a good sign. Okay, you might want to start looking for another job. All right, a slacker is someone who's lazy. A slacker is someone who doesn't work hard. And the Bible says he becomes poor that dealeth with a lazy hand. And that's what the Bible says. Let me just, and I'm not, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I really not. Sunday morning, I'm trying to be nice. Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> but let me explain something to you. Most people that are poor, they're not poor because they were dealt a bad hand. Was Daniel dealt a bad hand? Was Joseph dealt a bad hand in life? They're not poor because of the culture they were raised in or the circumstances they were raised in. They're poor for one reason. They're lazy. They deal with a slack hand. That's what the Bible says. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. But, but, the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Proverbs 12, look at verse 24. Proverbs 12, 24. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. Where are you side? But the slothful shall be under tribute. Look, if you're at work and it's like everybody keeps getting promoted, you know, the new guy gets promoted over you, that, you know, you, you train people and now they're your boss. The guy that doesn't speak English, he's your boss now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that ought to be a sign that maybe there's something wrong with you. It's racism, or it's this, or it's sexism, or it's this, or that. Maybe it's that you're always late. Maybe it's that you take extra breaks. Maybe it's that you don't do the work you're supposed to do. Maybe it's the fact that you're lazy. The hand of the diligent shall be a root, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Go to Proverbs 12, look at verse 27. Proverbs 12, 27. The slothful man rose of not that which he took in hunting. But the substance of a diligent man is precious. If you're diligent, you have substance. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the sluggard desire it, and hath nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. He said, look, if you're a sluggard, you'll have nothing. If you're diligent, he said, you're going to be made fat. And that's not talking about physical fat, okay? That's talking about, like, you have things that you want. Proverbs 22, look at verse 29. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. Is that not Joseph? Is that not Daniel? Is that not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? See, is that a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Here's, here's the point that I'm trying to make. Work is a blessing. And God blesses work. And when we don't work, when we're not busy, 
Let, let, let me just help some of your husbands out. You say, my wife is just constantly going through these emotional things, emotional things. Is she busy? Is she working? I'm just constantly going through something that's discouraging. I'm so Are you busy? Are you working? Are you? I'm not talking about getting a job. You know, you say, well, I'm retired. Praise the Lord. You don't, I'm not saying you have to go get a job. But never stop working. Never stop producing. Never stop investing yourself into someone or something. Because that, the way that God designed for us to feel fulfilled. And you say, I feel so empty. Maybe it's because you're not doing anything. You're idle. And you're just thinking, look, if, if Joseph would have sat around just thinking about the things that happened in his life, he probably would have got pretty discouraged and sad and upset. But he said, you know what, I'm here part of his house. They bought me to work. Why don't I just get to work? And he worked and worked and worked and worked. And Potiphar said, hey, I think I'm going to put that guy in charge. And then he gets thrown in prison. And he's like, well, I don't really like the situation. But there's something to do. And the Bible says, here's what I love about Joseph. It says, anything that he did, he, his hand did. He's like, oh, there's something to do there. Well, I might as well get to work. And then they were like, hey, let's put that guy in charge. And then Pharaoh said, let's put that guy in charge. And Nebuchadnezzar says to Daniel, Shadrach, let's put that guy in charge. And let's promote, promote these people. And let's help these people. Now here's the application. And, and we're, we're almost done. Are you there in Proverbs? I don't remember if you're in Proverbs or not. Go to Ecclesiastes. In the very next book. Okay, we're going to look at two passages. We're done. Here, Ecclesiastes, right after the book of Proverbs. You're in Proverbs, the very next book, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. We're done. I just want you to get this. Here's the application. That was all introduction. Here's the point. Whatever God has given you, do. Do it well. Are you done Ecclesiastes chapter 9? Look at verse 10. Whatsoever, 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 whether you're getting paid for it, whether it's at work, whether it's volunteer work, whether it's at the church, whether it's your family, whether it, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. What he says, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. See, you've got to understand this. One day you're going to die. And you won't be able to provide for your children after you're dead. Moms, one day you're going to die, and you're not going to be able to spend time with your kids. Not going to be able to read the Bible to your kids. Not going to be able to help your kids memorize scripture. See, we, we, see, we, we get, you, you know, I'm so busy on Facebook, I just got to, you know, update with my friends, and I got to be on Twitter, and we got Twittering about tweets. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm so busy with this, and I'm so busy with that, but look, you got to say, God gave you those children to invest into, and one day you're going to die, and you're not going to be able to, or, or one day they're just going to leave the home. And you're not going to be able to invest in them like you can now. And that emptiness, see, you're, you're going to feel empty because you did not do what God called you to do. Whatsoever thy hand find to do, do it with thy mind. If you're going to do it, why don't you do it well? If you're going to, look, here's what I think is interesting. God's people, when they get thrown, when they get taken out of Jerusalem, when they get thrown into Egypt, they get thrown into uh, Babylon, when they go to Persia, they, they, God's people just have this reputation of, they're the hardest working people. Could it be said of you at your job, anything that we get done around here, so-and-so does it. Anything that gets accomplished around here, it's because so-and-so let it. That's what could be said of Joseph, could not be said of you. See, whatsoever thy hand finds, do, do it all I might. Go to Colossians chapter 3, we're done. Colossians chapter 3, in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 23. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, this is the last passage I'll, uh, I'll show you. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord. See, when you go to work, you're not working for the boss there in, in the corner office. You're working for God. And when you're raising those kids at home, mom, you're not just raising those kids at home. You're doing it for God. You're working for God. Whatever you're doing, when you volunteer here at church, whatever you're doing, you're not doing it well, because a pastor needs me to do it. No, you're doing it for God. Amen. And he says, look, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. He says, if you're going to do it, do it with all I might. If you're going to work, he said, then be the best at it. Be the best worker you can be in your life. And he says, not only is God going to bless your work, but also work in and of itself is a blessing. And it will help you. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that the Lord shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. See, you serve Christ, and He's going to reward you. You say, Pastor Manus, I'm going through, I go through discouragement. Look, look, please understand this. We all, all, all go through discouragement from time to time. But if you're just constantly, just every other month, you're, I mean, you know, it's like, we don't see you for a couple weeks, and you're just going through something, and this happened like every six months. Look, there's a problem there. That's not normal. I'm not picking on you. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just trying to help you. And maybe it's too much idle time. People who are just constantly discouraged is because they're not doing anything. And yet you got these men like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Joseph, who if they were discouraged, if they were sad, if they were depressed, none of us would blame them. Yet, we never see them discouraged. We never see them throwing a pity party. But we see them doing this, just getting busy, just getting to work. That's good. That's God's plan. What could you accomplish? What could you accomplish in your marriage? What could you accomplish as a father? What could you accomplish, mom, with your children? What could you do at work with your business? What could you accomplish if you decided to work every day as if you're working for God? Maybe you stop showing up late. Maybe you stop leaving early. Maybe you stop stealing. Maybe, mom, if you knew that God was watching you raise those kids, maybe you spend less time on Facebook, less time on the television, more time reading the Bible with those kids, more time working. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching? I'm preaching this because we need to understand this. The only way to have a fulfilled life is to work. That's what God told Adam. That's what God told Eve. That's what we see with Daniel. That's what we see with Joseph. That's what we see with Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Because God put us on this earth to work. What could you accomplish? I'm not saying, oh, I got a job. Are you the hardest working person there? Are you doing it with all your mind? Well, I'm volunteering at church, but are you doing it to the best of your ability? Well, I'm doing this, but are you being the best mom you could be? Are you being the best dad you could be? Are you being the best husband, the best wife, the best grandparent? Are you doing Whatever you're doing, whatever stage you are in life, season of life, I understand that. But whatever you're doing, are you doing it with all your might? You say, well, I'm not doing it with all my might because I'm so discouraged. Maybe if you did it with all your might, maybe you're so discouraged. Let's bow hands and have a word for you. Dear my Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church, Lord. And Father, as we're going through and just learning about God's blessings, Father, I pray you would help us to realize that you have a purpose for us, you have a plan for us. And I know today Satan wants to get as many of us sitting around doing nothing. So we'll get discouraged, so we won't accomplish anything with our lives. Father, I pray you'd help us. Help us to learn from Daniel. Help us to learn from Joseph. Help us not to be discouraged. I'm not saying we all need jobs.
But whatever we're doing, help us to work, work, work as unto the Lord with all our might. Do it to the best of our ability. Help us not to give God the leftovers. Help us not to just go to work and be the mediocre employee there. Help us be the best employee. Father, I want to be the best father that I can be for my children. I want to be the best pastor that I can be. The best husband that I can be. Father, I pray you would ingrain this thought into our hearts and minds. That God blesses work, yes, but work in and of itself is a blessing. Help us to remember that. Help us to understand that. We love you, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. Amen.